Welcome to Design Speaks, the podcast that helps you discover uncommon inspiration so you can make more meaningful work. I'm Brandy C. My co-host is Julie Hyder. Today, we'll be talking about part two on the strategy behind capturing and using your uncommon inspiration. Stay tuned for that coming up later in the show. Hi, Julie. Hey, Brandy. <laughs> Hi, hey. Hey, hey. Do you, have you seen Moana? No. Oh, you're not going to get this joke then. It's just going to go nowhere. But I'm maybe sorry. people out there will. <laughs> so there's this chicken. There's a chicken named Hey, hey. Ah. And I saw, I was looking, I was researching Disney shirts for our trip to Disney World. And this it, this shirt that I saw had the picture of the chicken named Hey, hey. And it uh-huh. said, Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> It was lost on you. <sighs> Sorry. <Sigh. laughs> so this week I wanted to share my inspiration. Um, it's actually been inspiring me for a few weeks. I think I posted it a little while ago, like a couple weeks ago on Instagram. But for new listeners, I love the Enneagram. For not lo- new listeners, you know I love the Enneagram. <laughs> so um, I also have been following this really amazing photographer for a long time. Um, his name is Jeremy Cowart. I'm not really actually sure how to say his last name, but that's not unusual. Um, (laughs) I just hate last names. I'll just say Jeremy. We'll be on a first name basis. He lives in Nashville, which is kind of like the heart of this whole Enneagram thing. And he recently launched this project called Enneagraph. So it's like photograph and Enneagram mixed together. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. It is. So it's even cooler than you think. So what he has done... So one of his, like, major things – I mean, all photographers, like, specialize in making sure that the lighting is right. You know, this is a photographer. But he is, like – he plays with light. Like, he's he's an artist with the way he lights people in his studio. So what he did was in his study of the Enneagram, he came up with lighting styles for each Enneagram type. That's so cool. So, like, if I wanted – I'm, like, I so want to do this. I have a bunch of friends in Nashville, so I'm, like – if I go to Nashville, I'm going to save money so that I can go and have, like, my three photo shoots. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really incredible how he lights people according to kind of, like, the personalities of these That's types. That's so cool. So that was really inspiring to me, primarily because it just goes to show this idea. Um, we talked a lot about last week looking in different places. Yeah. For your inspiration, this was, like, the epitome of – things that are completely different, merging to make something only he could do. Not that anyone else couldn't do it, but because he had this outlook, he's like, I'm great with light. I believe in the Enneagram and I believe that light can show a person's personality. And I believe that the Enneagram is part of someone's personality. And he put them together. Yeah, that's so cool. It's like magical. And so it was just like, you know, if more people – embraced this idea of merging different things like they always you know there's there's this idea that like there's nothing new under the sun Mm -hmm. i would venture to say there's never been a lighting technique for an enneagram type until now maybe not i maybe instagram just wasn't around when they did it (laughs) but i feel like there can be new things under the sun but you have to merge yeah. old things yeah. to come up with something new. So that yeah. was like 
so mind-blowing. And you, you've got to check him out. So it's Jeremy Cowart, C-O-W-A-R-T. Yes. Um, and it's Enneagraph, just E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-P-H. And he's been sharing so many cool photos. And he, he's been doing, like, in-depth into, like, the person that comes in yeah. will be a I four. know he's all about that. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So then it's, like, all the details about this person. And it's That's just so cool. so cool. I know in the last episode we were talking about, like, not following trends for the sake of being trendy. But I do think – and I was thinking about this after we had that conversation – Taking something that's relevant now in a different industry mm-hmm. and merging it with what you have. Like, that's what he's doing. Like, mm-hmm. Enneagrams are a hot topic right now. Right. And so instead of just talking about Enneagrams like everybody else, he's like, I'm going to merge this with what I'm doing mm-hmm. with photography. So I think that's a really cool way of doing it. Like, taking something that has popped up in another industry that's relevant and interesting and new and then finding a really cool, crazy way right. of, like – transforming it to whatever you're working on. So we talked to Chris Hewitts, gosh, I think it's maybe two years ago now, Enneagram expert Chris Hewitts. He's the author of The Sacred Enneagram. And when we were talking to him, it got me thinking like, what if I did like a word map, you know, the word map things that I do of each Enneagram type and just see like what connections happen. Like, and it's that same idea of like, oh, well these, you know, you would never in a million years put photography and the Enneagram next to each other. And not even word maps, maybe, or color theory or whatever. But it's it's like, okay, so maybe there's something really cool here. And I just, I was really inspired. Yeah, that's awesome. I was really inspired by that. Wish I could kiss you when I wanna Without all the fear and all the drama Kill to hold your hand in public I need you closer Can we go somewhere No one knows us Leave our world behind We can hold up In a motel room In Arizona Where no one, no one knows us Where no one, no one knows us That was no One Knows Us by Banners and Carly Page. So this song is inspiring to me in sort of an unusual way. I know it's a relationship song, but for me, it's more about the relationship I have with the world around me when I am trying to sort of be free. When I'm trying to interact with the world, whether it's capturing inspiration by laying down on the floor, on my back, looking straight up at something, or whether it's crouching behind some weird area or climbing things, or even just wearing something, I I feel like I have less of a apprehension of what people will think of me when I am where no one knows me. There's, there's something that changes in my mindset when I think about, well, you know, I'm never going to see these people again. So what do I care if they see me taking pictures of what is possibly super weird and uninteresting to the average person, but is really cool and inspiring to me? I think that if you can really grasp that mindset while you're traveling and kind of cultivate it there where no one does know you, and bring that creative confidence back with you home where people do know you. It's a really good exercise to keep yourself always changing and always growing because the more creative confidence we have, the better work we'll make. No 
Part of something that I meant to talk about last week was like in finding inspiration, an another little piece that I meant to talk about was how to actually physically find it. Not just like being aware and looking around for it, but like how do you look for it? Right. And a lot of these things you'll recognize as like things that you do to get good photos. It's look up, look down, get low. Yeah. Like get really low. Get <laughs> as low as you can to the ground. Um, get up high and look down at things. Um, you know, photographers all the time will like bring ladders or climb trees or rocks or whatever it is yeah. just like to get the right Get a different angle. perspective. Yeah, exactly. And then um, – Get really close to things too. That's something that they, they teach you when you're first learning photography in school is like you can always tell an amateur photographer by how far away they are. Right. It's like – And that they're at eye level. <laughs> yeah. It's just right here and you're like super far away, like as far away as you can get because you don't want to be – make someone uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> you know, visit somewhere where you don't care so much like what people think about what yeah, you're where, doing. Yeah, like your curiosity takes priority. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? What if – what if I like – got down so low with even your iPhone camera and like snapped this little dip in the pavement or something because it might look really cool. So yeah, that was just something that was a little bit more logistical, not just like being aware in your mind, but actually like physically changing your perspective will actually change your perspective yeah, on things. Totally. So. so when you were talking about this Enneagraph thing, which sounds super, super cool, it kind of made me think do we gain inspiration, look for inspiration, and process inspiration differently depending on our personality type or like our Enneagram type? Like, do you think that, because we were talking so much last um, episode about your perspective of things. Mm. And so where does your perspective come from? Does it come from like who you are and your personality? Like, do threes look for inspiration mm. a certain way? Do sevens process inspiration a certain way? Like, I don't know. I'm super curious about this. Man, we need to have Chris Hewitt's on here again so we can <laughs> ask him this. Um, I'm not sure I am really qualified to answer this question. I would say ultimately I think that it's almost like the, the nature versus nurture like thing. Right. Like are we are who we are because of how we were raised or because of like our genetics? And I say yes. <laughs> it exactly. Is both. Yes. Like, so I would say, of course, like, because the way I view the Enneagram is that it's, it is not just a personality. Right. It is like the core of who you are as a person. And so, of course, that that's going to affect how you see the world. And I think the fact that I recognize that not everybody sees the world the way I do is the reason that I'm even trying to teach this to people because I know that you can be aware of the world around you and not be inspired by it or you can be inspired by things and not know what to do with it. And so I do absolutely think that all of us, one, look at the world differently because – Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But that's what's so great about this sort of method is that we look at the world differently. Now, I don't think that all threes see the world the way I do. I'm also a three-wing four, which adds this other level of complexity. Right. And that's like more of like the artist, the more introspective, the more prone to be emotional about things or inspired. And like that's like if I was a type four – Type fours are, are, you know, caricatured as sort of like the loner with his notebook writing poetry <laughs> by the beach, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio right. in Romeo and Juliet. Like, <laughs> that's sort of what it is. But because I'm a three-wing four, fours also have like this intense desire to stand out. 
Right. Um, which is also like where all this is coming from. The fact that I look at the world the way I do and that I have a desire to teach people how to make your work stand out comes from inside of me being mm-hmm. like the injustice of the design world is that no <laughs> one stands out and I right. must fight it. And so, yeah, I think I think that that would be a really interesting thing. Yeah, to think and I'm about, sure it wouldn't be about. like, you know, all ones always look at things this way. It would be more of like they have the tendency yeah. to do this. But I also wonder, you know, if you put like one of every personality type in the same room or at the same like location at a certain time like that they would maybe not just like see different things but the reasons why they're seeing Mm -hmm. the different things like you said you're okay with like getting on the ground to look at a different perspective and I kind of think like it takes a little bit of courage for me to do that Mm -hmm. because I'm an introvert and I don't like to like stand out in that sort of way. So I might not even think to do that. Um, not because I'm like, Oh, I don't care about inspiration, but because it's like not part of my personality to be like, Oh, I'm the weirdo. I'll just lay down. Yeah. I'm the weirdo laying on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's just the thought that I had that I think would be super interesting to like do a little bit of, um, I don't know, testing on. I know. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to like send this episode to Chris Hewitt and be like, we can do a follow up with our listeners if you have any insights, <laughs> or we can do like some scientific study. Yes. Cre- scientific we'll be your creative test study. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, I'm really excited to hear um, what you have to say in this last part about uncommon inspiration um, to especially hear about like, what to do once you have some inspiration. Like I was looking on Instagram yesterday and this um, jewelry maker that I really love uh, posted a picture of her studio that you can like come and buy stuff from. And I loved the way she decorated it. Um, But I was like, okay, I'm inspired by this, but like how can I translate that into something that I do? Because I don't have a jewelry shop and I don't decorate shops and it would be copying if I did. So, right. like, how can I take the things that I loved about what she did and translate them into the work that I'm doing? Okay. So, now we get to talk about – well, I guess it's all fun. I not say the fun stuff. But <laughs> this whole thing is fun for me, if I'm being honest. So, uh, last time we talked about the uncommon inspiration stuff and being aware of it and finding it. And today I want to talk about sort of the other half of this equation, which is capturing it and actually using it. I want to answer your using it question now because you just asked it, sort <laughs> of, but got to go in order. So so capturing it is, I don't know, I feel like some of this is really obvious, but usually when I think it's obvious, it's inevitable that someone will go, oh, I never thought of that. Because what's obvious to me is, right. you know, just like we talked about, yes. it's <laughs> probably not obvious to everybody. So my number one way that I capture my inspiration is my iPhone. I have more folders than I care to count. And I take a ridiculous amount of photos. I think I've told you guys before, I took over 10,000 photos in Europe and every time I go on a trip, if if I get less than 500 photos, like I must have been sleeping for a day or something, <laughs> like something's wrong because I, I also have this idea that like I don't want to miss something. Maybe it's like just ultimate FOMO. I'm not sure, like creative FOMO, <laughs> right. inspiration FOMO. I'm going to miss something if I don't take a picture of this entire thing. I wish I had photographic memory. That would solve all my problems. But I use my camera and folders inside of my camera. 
I have folders for specific things. So if I was, so for a little while, I was working on this album cover for Lauren, which I talked about a few episodes back. And I was, I, I had already worked through the process and knew that her colors were going to be like this lime-ish green and black primarily, but then also with like some bright neon yellows and neon reds. And so because I knew that these colors were going to be a thing, we went on this hike over to the ice caves in mm-hmm. Banderas. Yeah. And just the nature of where we were, there was a ton of like moss on black rock yeah. in like white ice. And so it was like just these really natural combinations of these this color scheme. So I made I took a bunch of photos and then when I got home, I went back through my photos and like threw a bunch of that color scheme into a folder. So capturing like however you stay, you might not be that hyper organized. I'm not always either. Half the time I'm like searching Banderas, New Mexico, because I knew I took this (laughs) one thing in the corner of this cave or something. So taking lots of pictures, there's so many ways that like you can save them for free. So like Google Photos gives you tons of space. If you don't do full high res, you can have like unlimited storage. I pay for a little bit extra to keep iCloud storage because that's primarily what I use. Yeah. You can use Dropbox. Like you can dump them off your phone. The idea is to like not worry, not have to worry about it because it's just like everyone always has their phones. Yeah. On them. Yeah, it's always there, accessible. If I don't ha- – <laughs> I'm like – my kids are always like – like it's like my appendage – which is funny because like when we're home and stuff I'm not taking tons of pictures but I do take pictures of the kids a lot too but just having it ready and being ready to take pictures at on a whim Mm -hmm. like the other thing is if you are more I would say artistic I guess I I I guess I'm artistic I just don't feel like I'm very like good at sketching really fast, like keep a sketchbook. Um, yeah, that's a great idea. I have uh, whether and that and doesn't even have to always be depending on the kind of inspiration you're capturing. And I'll talk more about this in the using it phase. It doesn't always have to be like an exact picture of something. Sometimes it can just be like saw this here and it inspired me this way. So you can write like words. So I also have like in Evernote or you can just use notes or whatever it is you take notes on on your phone just like an ongoing inspirations board where I can just throw something on there so that yeah. I don't forget about it later, especially if like maybe I don't even have the opportunity to take a picture and I just remember that thing. And so we sit down to dinner and I'm like, okay, I'm going to type this in here yeah, real quick. That's such a great idea. That's something I was going to ask you about is obviously um, being inspired visually is like a huge thing mm-hmm. because we're just visual creatures. Right. We love seeing things that yeah. look interesting. But what about like a feeling, a sound, a taste a smell like that sort of stuff like how do you um record that so that you don't totally forget it and you're like oh man I had good inspiration but I don't quite remember like everything that was involved in it yeah so for for things that are visual or auditory I use my camera so if if I can record so something that always takes me back to like New York and and Paris is the sounds like Paris has a very distinct sound about the city. And I knew that I was going to want to remember that not necessarily because it inspired me in any specific way, but just because it was something I knew that I would want to remember. To remember. Yes. So I would just sit and, you know, just run the video or run a, a, a voice memo and then just write what it was. Sometimes just Taking a voice memo, too, is good of yourself talking about something you see if it's giving you a certain feeling because you can't really document feelings. Right. But you can, like, (laughs) kind of talk through, like, 
I saw this thing and it made me feel this way. And so hearing your own voice talk about your own feelings is, yeah, is something that's, that's so really smart. helpful. If it's like a smell or something about like, you know, all your other senses that you, it's harder to document, again, just writing things down. Describing it be, as best yeah, you can. Try and like put yourself in the place of like a novel writer you know, oh, yeah, if I great. if I were writing a book about this, how would I describe this to someone who's not here? Because mm-hmm. it's easy to go, oh, if I just write these three words, like green, soft, grass, like I'll <laughs> totally get home and remember what I was talking about. You won't. You probably won't. You yeah. will not. So putting yourself, and a lot, again, a lot of these literary devices, because I love literature and I love writing, and a lot of this stuff really does coincide for me. So sitting back and going, I had to describe this to my husband who doesn't view things or he's just not inspired the way I am, how would I expect to explain this to him if I was just talking to him about this grass that was like the most amazing grass in the world (laughs) or whatever? So does that, does that help? Yeah, no, that's great. The other thing is, uh, so, so Ray, I don't know if you know who Ray Dunn, R-A-E. Yes. So I got this book for Christmas a couple years ago from Michelle that is basically her documenting her inspiration from Paris. And it's basically she took a she took a little watercolor set with her and just basically did quick watercolor sketches of color palettes. So cool. (laughs) And she thinks a lot like I do. She would like see pastries and go like, Ooh, I liked that color combination and just like put a picture of the of the pastry that she took with her phone next to her sketchbook and like Put the color palette down. So if you're into stuff like that, that's another way to do it if you're quick at things. That's really cool. Um, watercolor dries fast. So if you enjoy doing that, I think that I would be, me personally, I would be more distracted by making sure like my color was exactly right and like yeah. lose all the inspiration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can also sketch using an iPad. I generally use my iPad to use later, like with the pictures I've already taken. Right. And like sometimes what I'll do, like if it's a specific thing, I'll take a picture and then I don't know if this works on on Android. You'd have to tell me. Well, <laughs> I'm going to convert you someday. In on an iPhone, you probably can do this. You can do most things. You take a picture and then you can add text over it, just over the photo directly. So if like it's something really specific that I'm like, if I take this picture, I'm not going to know what I was looking at. Right. Here. You can put the text Just put on. the text over. It doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to be something that you understand. Similar to like when you're sketching and you do a thumbnail. It doesn't matter if it looks good as long as you know what it is. Right. And um, we'll remember it later. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just for you. So those are those are some some of the ways that you can capture things. I tend to use my camera and folders and note-taking sort of things more than anything. I have like 5,000 million billion uh, screenshots on my phone of like things that I've seen. And I was just thinking the other day, I really need to organize Uh these because I don't go back and look at them. Mm -hmm. It's like pinning on Pinterest. You just pin forever, but then you don't go back to Pinterest. I lose like (laughs) that inspiration opportunity. um, And so I need to go in and make folders so that I will actually go back and look at them. Yeah, and it does help to have a folder to throw it into. And I mean, I still do that because there's organizing takes so much time. And sometimes it's like, all right, I'm just going to have to remember that I found something in this color scheme in this city somewhere and then just spend a little time looking for it later. But at least you know you have it. So the point is to just make sure you're capturing it because it's not going to do you any good if you're just aware of it. 
and you just see it and that's great and I'm happy that you're aware of it. But then what? Like you still have to grab it and (laughs) hold on to it and put it in your pocket. So the last little piece is, is, I don't know, I could say all of these are the most important, but ultimately I would say this is the most important because if you don't know what to do with it, you may as well be, you know, Joe Schmo on the corner, like holding a cardboard sign, just feeling inspired because he's not going to do anything right. with that. <laughs> you know, maybe he will. I don't know. No offense, Joe Schmo. Um, <laughs> basically, keeping these keeping these lists of ideas is like the first step. Then thinking about what you will do with them and thinking about that in the moment. So for me... The thing that I find the most, um, and so here's just like a little list of things that like you can you can pull from that's like a simple list. And obviously you're going to put you into these things eventually. Colors are like a really good first exercise to start going out and trying to be aware of color schemes. So if you're at a coffee shop or if you're at church or at the mall or anywhere that there is color, which is literally everywhere, (laughs) just try and make yourself aware of the color scheme and then try to think in your mind, okay, I really like this orange and pink on this mural, but what could I do with that? Right. And then go through your own list of either clients that you have that could, that this could work for, or Maybe there, maybe you have like a list of, of ideas of things that you've been wanting to work on. Like maybe you want to do a painting, but you don't know what color scheme to use. Right. And all of a sudden, oh, you have there a color scheme. <laughs> um, so colors are one thing. Like I said, I was looking, I was already, I already had in my mind this green, black, white thing going. And then I was able to find some in nature and see that like God is the ultimate designer put these colors together. So obviously right. they work. Yeah. And <laughs> so that's that's also kind of like a fun exercise. It also sh- it, it's also fun to look for colors and see things that like combinations that you might not have considered putting together. Yeah. yeah I feel like that happens a lot of times. You're like, whoa, I wouldn't have put these two mm-hmm. together because like on the color wheel. Right. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But it, when you see it out, like especially in nature, when mm-hmm. it's not even like a person put it together, yeah. you're like, whoa, these do go together. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the other thing too, is like, I don't like to call it what I do with color, color theory, because color theory is very basically mixing colors together to get another color. Or, you know, like you said, like, this is complimentary. This is, you know, (laughs) those are obvious. Those are things that people all know, but color psychology and color, you know, colorology is what I've started calling it because I just always have to have my own name for things (laughs) is like this whole, whole other level of like, the feelings behind things, the the psychology, the subconscious meaning that we pull out of colors and color combinations. And pink might mean this when it's by itself, but it might mean this if it's with orange, but it might right. mean this if it's with white. And, and then if you butt two colors up against each other, they start to look like a different color. Yeah, um, just by being next yeah, to each other. Yeah, so crazy. And so it's it's like a whole other world. So so seeing that out in like use in the world is something that I really love capturing as colors. Another thing that's that's good is like textures. I've been really inspired by textures yeah. lately. <laughs> Finding textures and like particularly, I I always find really interesting textures when I look at the ground that I'm standing on. So sometimes it's like. They just happen to need to fix this corner of the sidewalk. And so it's like a different shade of gray. And maybe it's a little bit like it has the texture of like the rake that they use to like flatten it out. But this other one doesn't. And this is how my mind works. It's just like (laughs) 
oh, that's really cool. And then I have to think, okay, that's really cool. But what could I use that on? Okay, I could put easily put that like as a background on a poster and like put part of the type on the dark part and part of the type on the light yeah. part. And so thinking through the really unusual things you find, but then actually asking yourself in that moment, what might I use this for? And does that mean you're going to use it? A lot of times, no, but there will be those times where you will need yeah. like a duotone gray background for something. And then you go, I really liked like the balance of like one third was this and two thirds was this on that picture I took of the sidewalk the other day. <laughs> yeah. Like when you have that library, you just can mm -hmm. always pull from it. Exactly. And I have said that it becomes your own personal reference library instead of going on to whatever designspiration.com, which is fine and there's cool stuff to look at, but then it's like, okay, but that's everybody else's. And if you have your own Rolodex, do people use Rolodexes anymore? <laughs> Half our listeners probably don't even know what a Rolodex is. Your own okay, little library. Okay, this is a fun idea. Get, <laughs> get an old school Rolodex and start like actually like painting it or putting different textures. I don't know. That would be so fun. Oh yeah. Okay. Color, so what about a color Rolodex? Yeah. And like you can, you know, you can get get pictures printed like really tiny little squares. Have you yeah. seen those advertised? And you get you can just like print all your pictures in little squares uh -huh. and put them in the Rolodex. Oh my gosh, this is such a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> in college, though, one of my design teachers, um, what he like sent us out to collect textures. So we had mm. to like make a visual whatever. I don't know. It's not a painting. It's not a drawing. It's yeah. a thing, a collage. <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> we had to make that like Probably a, a collage. We had to make that a scene sense. out of textures. So we like took paper and rubbed over it with a pencil mm. so that we were like collecting all these different textures. And then we had to like tear up the little pieces of paper and turn it into some sort of a scene. Oh, um, so and that, I don't know, that was kind of a hard project to actually do. <laughs> but like collecting those textures makes you way more aware of things like that. Yeah. So I feel like if you did want to be inspired, just like go rub some paper on random things and see what it makes. Yeah. And even though we are like long past the days where it's like super cool to throw like a grunge texture over your design. <laughs> oh, those were the days. I know, <laughs> man. Just like grunge texture that thing. And it's all of a sudden it's like super rock and roll. Um, I, I mean, textures are always relevant. Like even if it's a really subtle texture, something about adding texture to things makes it more human. And, you know, depending on the project that you're doing can make it more approachable and more interesting. So I love, I love that idea. The other things that are, these are both kind of related is shadows and light can make really, really interesting things. I love looking at shadows cast on like bridges, on ironwork, yeah. you know, like shadows that are cast on the ground. I even love taking pictures of my own shadow sometimes, but it kind of creates this really eerie sort of creepy, weird thing. And I actually was inspired by that for a project because I've always loved like just taking pictures of weird stuff. But I had to do a poster for the Pagosa Springs Theater Company. And it was for this play called, I think it was The, Pil it was the Pillow Man. And it was basically about this guy, this killer that I don't remember exactly this killer that like went after kids in their dreams or I don't remember exactly, but I had this, I had sort of this idea of like a kid standing in a doorway and his, the kid's shadow being this long, weird, mm -hmm. drawn out shadow of this guy. Um, so it should be a kid's shadow, right. but it's his but shadow. Cool. And so I remember feeling like 
that inspiration, you know, knowing the story, knowing the concept, and looking back at my own ideas, it was like, okay, this shadow thing has some, has like some legs. So um, those are just some like really practical ways to go out and find, find those things. And how you use it really depends on what you're working on. Color is pretty easy to apply, but as you all know by now, you need to make sure to not just be inspired and think the color's cool and then take it into something. You need to look at the meaning behind all those colors, make sure it still works and all that stuff. But yeah, keeping lists and documenting is really important. Another fun thing to do is like keep a list of your own ideas, like not necessarily these inspiration things, but if you've always wanted to make a band poster for like your favorite band or something, make one and use some of these random inspiration things that you're finding and put it together to make something just for fun, just to practice. Yeah. Using <clears throat> using this stuff, how how this inspiration thing works is going to ebb and flow into the process. So sometimes you'll like with the ink thing, sometimes you'll just have something laying around and you won't think about it until you have your concept. And sometimes it won't apply to the concept as a shape, but maybe when you're in the color phase of your process, you'll think of a color thing that you right. saw. Yeah. So being aware while you're working too, not just when you're searching for the inspiration, but being aware of that past inspiration. Yeah. Like, is this circular? Being aware of what you were aware <laughs> of really kind of helps. And if you can like figure out this process of incorporating this uncommon, common only to you inspiration into your work, people are going to be like, how in the world did you, like, where right. did you get that? And it's yeah, like, they will, actually. Yeah, because your inspiration is so unique to you. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you that I just have kind of thought about as we are talking and just knowing your process and everything. Have you ever done like, so we were talking about taking um, something that's relevant currently from a very different industry than what you're working in currently. Um, have you ever done like a, a word map kind of a thing to get like some to find the connection between those two or like you know the uh, what do they call it like the six degrees of separation (laughs) where you try to connect things like I'm kind of thinking like a visual thing of that of like here's like um with Jeremy like Uh here's Enneagrams right and here's photography and like let's make a word map and then try to connect them somehow like have you ever done something I've never I've never intentionally tried to connect things because I sort of feel like if you're trying to connect two things you will. So whether they are supposed to be like work together or not, you can easily, especially through a word map process, meet somewhere along the way. It's like this, the seven degrees or six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. It's like right. <laughs> everyone is seven ste- seven steps away from Kevin Bacon. Yeah. It's sort of like if you try hard enough to make something connect, it probably will, but that doesn't necessarily mean it works. Right. That's so, very true. So I usually, I usually just – you know, with the word map thing, I start with just the client as the center of the word map, not even the concept because the concept comes after that from the word map. So when I'm when I'm doing the word map, it almost always ends up working out that I will have some sort of connecting inspiration that comes out of things that I found in the word map. So if some of the visuals I found were, we're just going to go back to the sidewalk because... Why not? <laughs> if some of the the things that I found were grays and texture 
and shadows. Maybe some of these things were things that came out of the word map as pertaining to this particular client job. Then I can go, then I'll go, okay, I have something in that realm. Yeah, that makes sense. And go that way instead of going, I really want to use sidewalk textures. So I'm going to figure out how I can find like right. they will meet in here somewhere if i do a word map that's long enough they'll right. find each other and that's something that that does sometimes happen inadvertently it's like i already sort of at this point in my career there are definitely times where i can already see where this is going mm-hmm. without doing the word map and so some i've i've found myself at times starting the word map over because i'm like okay i'm totally just directing this word map right where i already have an idea to go and that's going against everything I believe in and I'm going to have to start over because (laughs) this needs to be organic and it needs to come from a place of true wordsmithing right? and letting this come from where it needs to and not just whatever I have in my head that's already a preconceived notion that may or may not be the best execution for this client. I think that you can and I think that word maps are incredible for all sorts of problem solving and I think that For certain things, like maybe for what you're working on, to try and find a meeting of some things, I think that a word map could be really useful for that, for the kind of thing that I do and for the kind of design style that I teach, um, which is obviously not photography for elopement (laughs) weddings. Um, I think that it needs to kind of stay true to using the map to to lead to a certain place. Yeah, and that totally makes sense in that context for sure. Yeah, so I was really excited. I think this is the first time I've really gone this deep into like – the steps in how to use this uncommon inspiration thing. Yeah. So I'm really excited that I was able to to share that. And yeah. thanks for all your questions too. I I love that. I love your ideas. We're going to definitely just like make a Rolodex. We're going to bring back the <laughs> Rolodex. Go to all the thrift We're, stores yes. and like buy up all the old oh my Rolodexes. Gosh. We're going to make Rolodexes cool and new. The color decks? Co- uh, yes. I don't know. But uh, it can't, doesn't have to just be color, I guess. Yeah, I think like textures and I don't know. I, I think know that either. would just be so fun. How many little like things can you put in a Rolodex? I've never used one, so I don't know. I mean, they were – I used – I definitely had an address book, but I don't know that I – my dad had a Rolodex because he yeah. has business, so. Right, yeah. When I was a kid, I had an address book too, but like it had like three card people in, in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a, a little older than you, so I, I use it. <laughs> We've established. I'm old. Again, that was No One Knows Us by Banners and Carly Page. You can find this song and all the inspiring music we share on our Music from Design Speaks playlist on Spotify. All right, everybody, that's our episode for today. If you'd like to support Design Speaks, you can do so by sharing this podcast with a friend or head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash design speaks. Design Speaks is produced by Kenneth Niffin and Dakota Cook and me, Brandy C. Audio production by Kenneth Niffin. Thanks to Colin from Vespertine for our theme music. You can find Vespertine on Apple Music and Spotify. Design Speaks is a project of Brandy C. Designs. It is recorded and produced in the shadow of the watermelon pink Sandia Mountains near Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can leave us a note on Instagram at Design Speaks Podcast, and you can find all current and past episodes at designspeakspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Till next time. We'll care where we